Hello, my family. Randy Kay here. I want to first thank all of those who were praying for me. I am recovering from a bout of pneumonia, and it was a serious situation for me. It was only by the prayers of those and many of you who prayed for me that I sit before you now. And I'm thankful to the Lord, but I was also prepared, having been to heaven and knowing my future, uh, to go there as well. So it was the Lord's uh, decision, but it was predicated on the response to the prayers of his beloved. And that's you, many of you who uh, prayed for me. So I, I thank you again. I felt uh, that this was a very important message. I'm a little bit weak, so please excuse me if, uh, if, if I wane a little bit during the course of this. But I'm going to tell you about uh, the storm. Uh, the storm is what I wrote about in my book by the same name almost, Heaven Stormed. And some of you may have read that. And if not, I encourage you to read Heaven Stormed. It is my eyewitness account, my spiritual eyes uh, of the storm in heaven. And so I'm going to give you uh, an idea of how to prepare for the storm that uh, is being poured forth and, and what to expect. And I'm going to also tell you about some prophetic markers uh, that will indeed play out uh, during the storm so that you will be prepared uh, for that. Uh, first, I want to start with what I beheld in heaven after I had died and uh, been ushered forth uh, before the throne with uh, Jesus. And I stood before and was witnessing uh, a shift in heaven. And that shift uh, turned all of heaven silent. It was a deafening silence. It was one that uh, really uh, changed uh, the tenor and even uh, the appearance of heaven. And, and I was uh, going through what uh, is referenced in the book of Revelation uh, in terms of the sequence of events. And that sequence included the outpouring of God's glory uh, and the tribulation period, as well as the rapture, as well as the second coming, and then the new heaven and the new earth. But when I was viewing these things with uh, Jesus, I first uh, viewed uh, the tribulation period. And I was seeing the tribulation period and I was seeing the rapture. The tribulation period, uh, I won't get into the details of it. You can read the book as to what that looked like. I actually asked Jesus to turn my face from what he was showing me because it was so horrendous. Uh, but uh, as you will read in the book, the reasons for the tribulation were not because of God's anger, uh, but because of the lack of love in this world and also the releasing of what God's enemy has intended for eons of time. But I was seeing these things not sequentially as I was expecting them. I was expecting to see the glory of God poured out uh, and then uh, the rapture of following, and then the tribulation period, and then, of course, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and subsequently the new heaven and the new earth, which are all explained in the book. However, 
I was, I, I, I was expecting those things, but that's not the way I saw them. I saw them almost in reverse. And, uh, and obviously I was curious about that in heaven uh, as to why I was seeing these things, uh, the things that I was expecting prior to that experience and, and those things that I had studied in terms of uh, what would play out uh, in the end times. And, and then I asked uh, the Holy Spirit uh, to tell me why I was seeing these things in reverse. And, uh, and, and, I, and I thought that perhaps there was a, there was a, a differential in heaven that is, it was different in heaven from what would occur on earth. And then Jesus said this. He said, Ah, beloved, you see things as they are now in heaven, but on earth you will see them in reverse. And indeed, uh, that confirmed uh, something that I thought would be the possibility of why I was seeing what I was seeing. And then I uh, thought in heaven on the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, which says this, uh, then I, uh, for we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been known fully. And then the Holy Spirit uh, further clarified to me, uh, I know now that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit was intending for me to share what, uh, what I beheld to you and needing to explain to you, as I explained in the book, uh, why uh, I had an inverse relationship with, with, with what I saw in heaven versus what uh, would flow out from heaven to earth in the end times. He said this, he said, what you saw in heaven was the order of judgment. Judgment must be rendered before mercy or else mercy would be given for nothing. The world has always been under judgment, but the Messiah's mercy and grace delivered the righteous from judgment so that no one who is covered by the righteousness of Christ needs suffer the penalty of sin. In heaven, you saw our glory, which affected the righteous and the unrighteous, but it followed the righteous judgment of him who is holy. This is grace, to forgive that which has already been judged as guilty. Well, my spirit uh, in heaven comprehended what the Holy Spirit was telling me, just as it had been in heaven. In heaven, I witnessed the judgments that would be rendered on earth. But the judgments that I saw rendered on earth needed to be preceded by God's mercy. In other words, God had already judged uh, those on earth. The judgment had already been executed. So the mercy would then be poured out after the judgment, but before the tribulation period. You see, the mercy of God is the glory of God being poured forth on earth. It's the last opportunity, the final opportunity on earth before the culmination of the entire history of humankind. 
So uh, the glory of God uh, would be fallen on earth with the tribulation. These, what I saw was a reverse of this because of the dynamic, the Holy Spirit, as I explained to you, and what he said had stated to me and that his spirit would be manifested on earth for humankind one final time. Uh, and then the tribulation would be poured out. So what I beheld in heaven was a reflection of what would transpire on earth uh, so that his mercy would be released. Uh, and then Jesus said something to me. Uh, you see that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were speaking to me uh, almost in unison, but, but they were saying different things. That is, sometimes the Holy Spirit would be speaking to me as a distinct person, a person that I knew was closest to because of his walk with me on earth when I was, became born anew. And Jesus became a close-knit partner with me as he journeyed with me in heaven. So both of them were speaking to me. Uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking in a, more of a whisper, uh, but also very distinctly that spoke to my spirit. And then Jesus was speaking audibly to me in a way that I could understand as, as I would have a conversation with you. And this is what Jesus said. He said, tell them to focus on me and not the world. The spirit understands what the mind cannot fathom. So I asked the Holy Spirit, and this is after my return. And this is recently, not too long ago, uh, before as, or, or before I had started writing, uh, the book heaven stormed, I asked, where are we in the storm? So this is after heaven. I had asked the Holy Spirit to tell me where we are in the storm. We were where we are currently. Uh, in the in the segue of events that would occur, are we in the calm? Uh, as when the hurricane uh, is about to hit, and as you know, uh, if you're familiar, especially living in the southeast, when a hurricane is beginning to to form, there is a calm that precedes it before that hurricane causes its destruction. So uh, that is something that I asked the Holy Spirit. Are we in that period? Because from what I saw in heaven, certainly uh, the storm uh, in terms of the destruction of it uh, is not occurring today because when, when it hits, you'll know about it. But I saw a vision that the Lord uh, gave to me that helped explain what is going on today and helped explain and confirm that indeed we are living in the calm before the storm, but the storm is indeed imminent. Well, here's the vision. I saw a plantation, you know, the plantation uh, uh, prior to the Civil War and the United States and other parts of the world actually have had plantations as well in Jamaica and, and uh, other parts of the world. Uh, there were plantations and on those plantations, of course, were the slaves and the slave masters. And the slaves then uh, were uh, threatened if they didn't, were not obedient uh, to the master. So the slaves, being a downtrodden people, were attending to the, to the fields. In places in the U.S., it would be cotton fields, for example. In Jamaica, 
uh, cane fields and other parts of the world, they would be the farming uh, that was being done and using slave labor. Well, that was what I was seeing in the vision. So it was quite unusual, obviously, to to see this in the vision as I asked the Lord to clarify uh, what part of the storm we were in. And uh, I later understood, uh, as I asked the Lord, what that meant. And uh, that means that, uh, as he explained to me, that too many of God's people are like those slave laborers. Uh, They are under the authority of the world instead of the authority of God. They toil as those in slavery would toil in bondage. But during during the calm before the storm, God wants to free his church from the slavery of this world. So that is the stage we are in. But there's also something I'm going to be explaining to you prophetically that is going to be borne out and it is going to include some degree of suffering. And I want to prepare you for that. So I'm going to give you uh, several ways in which you can prepare for the suffering that will be experienced in this world. And the suffering will happen in this world even prior to the tribulation. So there, we're in the calm before the storm and we're seeing now uh, that the storm isn't really manifested, fully manifested as yet. We're in that early stage and that's God is focusing now, now in this phase on his church, which relates to the, that vision I had of the plantation slaves. Now during this time, God's eyes and his judgment are upon his church. As it says in 1 Peter 4, 17, uh, it suggests that uh, Christians may face God's judgment. As it says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Many Christians are are facing uh, persecution. And so therefore, uh, Peter is in that verse, is talking about a judgment, but he's also talking about another facet of what is uh, is happening to the church today. The believers are struggling to separate from worldly sins that uh, had once enslaved them, as it says in verses uh, one through four. Peter reminds them that the wicked will face judgment in verse five, but the believers in Christ must hold themselves to a higher standard than they once did. He says the quote unquote fiery trials that they were facing were to help refine them like gold, as it says in verse 12. So there's a dynamic going on. There's a purging within the body of Christ. There's a refinement going on within the body of Christ. There are those who are uh, not truly born again, who will fall away, who are just giving lip service to being Christians, uh, and that is happening. And there are those who are being steeled uh, through what is going on, refined through the fire. 
the plantation that I saw, beloved, was the also represented the oppressive governance that we find in the world today. Government government is taking on more authority, taking less freedom away from people and believers. We're familiar with what happened during uh, the shutdowns of, of churches and the restrictions of uh, freedom of worship, freedom of expression, freedom of uh, sharing uh, one's faith in public places. We're seeing that because of the increase in governance, which is oppressing the people and holding them in uh, believers, especially in bondage. Quite frankly, uh, my family, many Christians are acting like slaves, acting like slaves and not children of the King of Kings, the Lord of the Lord of Lords, God almighty. We should not be living as slaves. We should be living in abundance. We should not be living under the thumbs of anyone we are living under the freedom and authority of Jesus Christ who is seated at in the heavenly realms and that you are a chosen beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are accepted and a citizen of heaven and a member of God's household. That is who you are and you are not to be. You are not to be living as slaves in this world. Now that's true that authorities may, uh, may limit you in some ways, but you don't have to be limited. You have freedom, freedom of religion protected in the constitution of the United States of America, including those churches that were shut down, which brought to the Supreme court of the United States, a case that was rendered favorable to them, which now, which now confirms uh, the, uh, the authority the, the constitutional authority of churches to meet regardless of what happens. So those were, those were believers standing up, not as slaves, but as children of, the, of God Almighty, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But also, beloved, uh, God is refining his church to see who is worthy in these last days. I ask you now, are you worthy? Do you feel like you are ready to stand before God Almighty at the great throne of judge, white throne of judgment as a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you ready to stand before him and say, I lived as a child of the King of Kings and not as a slave in this world? Are you ready? Well, God is refining his church there can be no longer pre-warmers. Those who are just succumbing to the world and living in defeat in accordance with the world's mandates and not God dates, if you will, God's authority. God is allowing difficulties in this world and suffering in the lives of people to purify the body of Christ. I know that seems probably like a bit of an oxymoron. It's not. Refinement goes through a fire, a process, because you are a chosen generation. You must be steeled for these times. We must be able to stand and with and 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 go through all of these trials 
without being defeated. I'm talking about before the tribulation, beloved, because you will be raptured, but there's a lengthy period of time. Now, some of you think it's, it's uh, today, tomorrow, but, but I'm, I'm telling you right now that uh, it's happening right now so that, uh, not the tribulation, but what's happening right now is uh, the trial and suffering in this world. Uh, in the tribulation, there's that old saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, but for now, we're seeing the trickling of this as the hurricane, the storm, the storm is coming in and we're seeing the heavy rains. We're seeing the heavy rains, beloved. And we're still here and we still have a profound purpose because again, you are the chosen generation. We are going to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. And we share in his sufferings, as it says in first Peter chapter four, verses 13 through 14. And we, sh and when we share, when we share in his suffering, we know him a little bit better, as it says in Philippians chapter three, verse 10. Paul echoes this theme in Romans eight seventeen, where he says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Beloved, God is seeing who is worthy of his end times glory. Are you worthy Beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ, are you worthy of the glory that is to be poured forth from God? Do you feel like you're worthy to receive that glory? Because that glory is profound to the utmost, to the extreme. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready? Are you prepared to receive it? That is the question. God is refining his church to prepare us to receive the outpouring of God's glory. But God is also judging his church. The judgment that begins at the household of God also includes his discipline. And God's discipline is not for unbelievers. It is for believers. As it says in 1 Corinthians 5.12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Following the calm, the calm phase that we're in now, the beginning phase of the storm is exposing the sin in the world. So there's the calm phase, but the beginning phase of that storm, the trickling effect of that storm is exposing sin in the world when we're seeing that now. So we're enter entering into and phasing out of some of the calm where we're seeing some of that trickling effect. And so there remains no doubt, no doubt of who's on God's side and who's not on God's side. It, it is being made readily apparent. There can be no excuse because God is removing the veil, the deception, the secrecy of the sins of this world so that we're seeing a polarization in this world between those who are on the side of Jesus Christ and those who are not on the side of Jesus Christ. It cannot be more readily apparent. Oh my, my world. It is just, it, it, it's being exposed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
it will fall upon the righteous in the judgment of Jesus. But we're also seeing this delineation, this separation, so that there will be no question as to whose side we are not on and whose side we need to be on. I'm not talking about political sides. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being on the side of God or being against God. God, God said, you're either for me or against me. There's no riding the fence anymore. There's no riding the fence. There never has been. God said he will spew those who are riding the fence out. Those who are lukewarm. It, it, it won't be tolerated. It won't be tolerated. But before this happens, <clears throat> God must purify his church. And that's happening from the exposing by exposing the sin in this world. God is unmasking those hidden sins. He's exposing them from heaven in this hour. And everything that has been done in secret is being shouted from the from the housetops, as it says in Luke chapter 12, verse 3. Now, just look uh, at some of the evil in this world. It, it is so astounding. I, you know, when, when I first became uh, a Christian uh, three decades, over three decades ago, I could have never fathomed uh, what would be happening today. I'm going to show you a video of uh, what happened uh, fairly recently in New York City. Now, we've had uh, borders that have been, there's a crisis at the border in the United States. We've had drug cartels coming over. Uh, most of the people, if not all of the people, have been, had paid drug cartels to come over the border. And many have come over who have, have brought sex trafficking, drugs, fentanyl, uh, and gang activity. What I'm about to show you is a video of what happened recently in New York City where a particular uh, uh, gang that has now come over the border from Venezuela, it's called the Tren de Aragua, and this gang beat up cops in New York. Now, I think one or maybe two of them were arrested. I think only one. Uh, there was no bail, and so one of them got away. Uh, he's in, maybe in California right now. He was headed towards California from one sanctuary state, New York, uh, and sanctuary city, New York City, to another sanctuary state in California. I live in California. Uh, I, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over California as I do New York and the United States of America. But what I'm about to show you is this video you will see of that happening. It is abominable that this is occurring. And, and this is the one that was exposed, but it's occurring in cities and places across the United States. Investigators putting out new pictures of two migrants wanted in the beatdown of two NYPD cops in Times Square. The man in the red is described as one of the worst offenders because he was caught on video repeatedly kicking officers. This comes as Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is under fire for his handling of the case. And there's the MS-13 gang activity. Now, MST, MS-13 uh, has been in the United States for some time. Again, it came across the border and infiltrated parts, and, and it really... It really feasted 
on the inner city and my heart bleeds for the inner city. Uh, it went to, um, some Hispanic communities underprivileged trying to recruit our children, our children, beloved, our children to gang activity, trying to recruit members to sell drugs, to be involved in, uh, prostitution in, in trafficking, in, in all kinds of extortion. And, and this now is happening in the United States of America. And we see now how, how, uh, books, children's books, I don't need to go through the litany. You've heard it on the news. I don't really need to rehash it. You've seen it. My point being that it could not be more clearly evident of, of what side you're on. Even if, if you haven't been a professing believer, you got to get on board with Jesus Christ. You got to confess him as your Lord and savior. I know, uh, I know I was a former agnostic. I know your excuse. And as I used, of you know, Christians are, you know, hypocrites and you know, they're, they're bigots or whatever we want to say. I don't know what, what your excuse is. I had plenty of them as an agnostic, but you got to get over it because you've got to get on one side or the other. You got to confess as I did that Jesus is your Lord and savior. He died on the cross for you. He sacrificed himself on the cross so that if you, if you repent, ask him to forgive you and become Lord of your life, you need to do it now. Because I tell you what, if you're on the wrong side, if you're on the wrong side, you are going to be facing the judgment of the tribulation and it's coming your way very, very soon. But know this, that God is protecting his, uh, his children. And that means that you need to be on the side of Jesus Christ. He's protecting his children, but know also that his vengeance is near. As it says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse two, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In Proverbs 10 verses 24 verse 20 through 25 or and 25 says, the fear of the wicked will come upon him but the desire of the righteous will be granted as the whirlwind passes. So is the wicked no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. So although it may seem like we're living in the destruction part of the storm, we're actually now in the calm and the beginning stages, of the trickling effect of the storm, but God is calling his believers to repent and to seek his face. So you will be protected. You will be protected as a body of Christ. God has promised that he will protect his children. Does that mean that you won't be at the effect of, of what is happening? No, obviously we have children who go to school and, and they can't pray in school. We have uh, those who are being exposed to all kinds of violence, innocent people. Uh, but God is protecting his body. There's a special protection that he has for you. Uh, there was a point in heaven where I saw things that, 
that would have happened, but didn't happen because of God's intervention. Just a whole litany of things. So if he were to show that to you, there are things that would have happened to you if not for God's intervention. So you may think things are really falling apart and yeah, you're right. But that doesn't mean that God is not protecting you through these things. So be of, of good, strong heart, beloved, because uh, that, is, uh, that is happening. We formed my family uh, as to, to help unify the body of Christ. And uh, we're having prayer times now vis-a-vis Zoom where you can join us as a body of Christ. That is happening now. People are coming together. God is, is uh, temporarily, and I said temporarily, removing his hand from the United States of America. So that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. You know, so many have rejected God, and we've seen it uh, in terms of uh, those who are basically saying, I'm accepting all, all religions uh, except uh, Christianity. And uh, so we're receiving, uh, uh, we're receiving our just dues as a nation, the United States. God is saying, uh, in essence, uh, you didn't want me here, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave you alone. No, he didn't really leave us alone, but he is uh, removing his hand of protection from America, allowing evildoers to have their way. And we're seeing that in an increase of crime and inner cities. We're seeing uh, people being victimized. My family lived on the south side of Chicago. Now, this, there's a north side. For some of you familiar with uh, Chicago, there's a north side, which is a little bit more upscale. My family was from the south side of Chicago. Uh, we were the blue collar workers. We were the ones who, excuse me, <laughs> We were the ones who, um, again, pneumonia recovering, who um, were middle class or lower middle class. And so we were living comfortably. Uh, We were living with uh, families of all different ethnicities. Um, Didn't say, no, wouldn't say there was no crime, but we lived and, and we were commingled with one another. But today, those same neighborhoods uh, wherein my family lived are now ridden with crime in the city of Chicago, and that's what's happening in cities. When Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, and he wrote this, quote, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, uh, and when he's talking about that, he was, he was speaking of those who follow the way of the world, not the way of God, and those who live in sin. And, and they follow the quote, the kingdom of the air, who is Satan and his minions. This characterizes much of society today. So, absolutes, have become known as intolerance. Good has become known as bad. Evil has become known as righteous. Righteousness has become known as evil. 
The prophecies of Ezekiel and Jeremiah are bearing out today. Jeremiah, I'm going to read it for you. Jeremiah 18 verse, uh, verses 7 through 12 says this, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone, return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. So, there we have it. That was prophetically ushered for this time. Now, it had, a, had an application, obviously, for the time of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. But it was prophetic for the times and the end times, of course, that we live in today. We see it. We see what is happening. It's been laid up in terms of what is being played out for what will be the final stages of the storm that you can read about in my book, Heaven's Storm, because again, I witnessed these events. They, they aren't something that I speak of as theoretical, as something that is, uh, uh, is theory. I beheld that with my spiritual eyes. I beheld it in heaven and I testified of it. And you'll know from, from what I've spoken about before that I wasn't released to share it until recently and uh and i and that we released it in the in, in heaven storm you got to get the book or the audio book and if you can't afford it let me know if you truly can't afford it so i'll try to get it uh, i have a limited supply but you know you gotta you, please you gotta read it you've got to read it you've got to know what's going on you've got to know how how it is happening from heaven that is being poured forth now on earth we're seeing now a national trends toward a one world view. No longer is there tolerance of, of, of differences of, of uh, world views so much, but there's a, there's a movement toward a one world view. The one world, as I've uh, showcased before in, a, in uh, uh, what I told a video uh, that I produced at the beginning of the year, uh, about a one world religion headquarters that has already been established. You see it on your screen. It was established uh, near Dubai, and this, uh, and which is the same uh, place for the one world, the, the the world economic summit or one world summit, I think it was called, in which it's it's, it's trying to. And the, the Emirates trying to be a force for this movement. Now, there are a lot of good people in the Emirates, uh, a lot of Christians in the Emirates, but this, what, what is starting as, a, as maybe a, 
an honest and sincere movement to unite the world to break through uh, religious boundaries and what have you actually is a predicator of a movement for the one world view and the one world religion and essentially a one world economic uh, system. I keep hearing this sentence. I keep hearing it over, excuse me, over and over again. The woes of a world of idolizing sin are being poured out. The storm is imminent whereby these nations who turn from their ungodly ways will be blessed and those who do not will suffer as referenced in the prophecy of Amos chapter 4 verse 7 where it says, and also I have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months to harvest and I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon and the piece wherein it rained not withered. <clears throat> so that's what's happening. There are those areas which are going to repent, nations who are going to follow after Christ, turn from their wicked ways, and there will be, um, there will be a, a flourishing. Uh, uh, that is, there will be a, you know, not only crops, but other benefits uh, bestowed upon uh, those nations and those places by God, and the others will suffer drought, will suffer from all kinds of economic hardships. There's going to be that dichotomy within the world. And you're seeing it now to some extent, but you're going to see it in, in such a dramatic fashion. Here are some of the things to come. Here are some of the things to come, beloved. We will see drought and devastation from, from storms and a food shortage and signs in the sun, moon, and stars as the prophet Joel talked about. There will be a weakening of the solar system such that uh, we will witness an outbreak even of new skin sores that will appear and solar wind patterns will shift. And in fact, they will shift in the solar uh, patterns, wind patterns, and also some of the broadcasting patterns, frequency patterns that govern activities within the cyberspace, such that some airplanes will be grounded because of airwave disturbances and cyber outages or breakdowns, both intentional uh, that is intentionally caused by uh, some uh, some of the evil doing nations uh, and forces, and also those who are are uh, intending harm that are causing terrorism versus cyberspace, which is uh, being devised uh, right now, uh, especially within uh, the Western world and within uh, Israel. Russia, Russia, as it is working now in concert with Iran, uh, and Iran is working in concert with terrorist groups to come against Israel and to come against the United States of America to a lesser extent. 
that Russia will work with Iran and other Arab countries to form an oil shortage as it attempts to reform, reform, that is, recongregate the USSR. So, a temporary period of hope, a temporary period of hope will come to the USA. If you haven't watched my uh, message on 467 days to either good or evil, that time is coming to a, uh, a point uh, after November of 2024. So we, obviously we know the elections are going to occur in November. Um, and uh, depending upon the outcome of that, those elections, we will see a shift in America. Uh, and, and, and Christians will be without excuse. So Christians uh, historically have not voted, not voted in strong numbers. And um, if it happens again, uh, then we as believers will reap what we've sowed. Well, let me say about um, the United States and the temporary period of hope that the USA will uh, experience. There will be additional debt, however, on the flip side of that, which will cripple the U.S. What has worked in the past in governments and in financial institutions will no longer work. God will guide investors uh, that he can trust and those that place their trust in the Lord, he will give wisdom to invest wisely, but there will be a market crash and those who are not listening to God's wisdom will indeed fall victim to that market crash. The dollar will continue to lose its value as other currencies will uh, attempt, such as uh, the Chinese currency, as well as uh, a one world currency, uh, and also cashless, uh, cashless currencies. But cashless uh, financing will increase as a result. New reports of financial corruption will surface within uh, various financial institutions across the world and within the U.S. And there will be a terrorist activity that will hit America again. And this will happen. This will happen. There will be a, an attack in a port city within the United States of America. Islam will increase its demands for prayer in public schools while Christian prayers remain banned in the U.S. Many churches will fa face bankruptcy uh, as there is uh, an exodus of uh, within some churches in some areas, and many are, are, uh, churches will be vacated because of the bankruptcy, and they will, can no longer function, but there will be an increase in home churches and there will be an increase, as, as, as we're noting, in one family, which is kind of the churches coming together and saying, we can't do it alone. We got to join together. We got to be one body. And so that, that uh, uh, coming together and that uh, assimilation within the church and that inter, inter, 
I'm not interfaith. I'm just searching for another word. There's the, the pneumonia kicking in again. But uh, there will be an interdependence that will be forged. That's the word I was looking for in, uh, in the body of Christ. <clears throat> I believe significantly formed through my family. Okay, there are four things. My family, four things that the body of Christ must do. And here it is. Number one. The body must return to knowing Christ intimately. We can no longer be fence sitters. We must, we must be in the word of Christ, word of God. We must be in the word. We must know God intimately, not be satisfied with just a cursory, a cursory relationship with God. We need to steep ourselves, spend time in prayer and, uh, and really However much time, somebody uh, messaged me and said, you know, I've been praying and I've been praying and uh, God's not answering my prayers. And, and I said, well, how, how, how much do you pray? Well, they said, you know, I, I pray in the morning. Okay, well, how long do you pray? Well, I pray for, you know, uh, 10 minutes maybe, 15 minutes at most. Uh, and then I pray, you know, uh, a few times, uh, this or that. And I said, that's not prayer. That's just giving homage to uh, God. That's just, that's just, you know, flowing up uh, your prayers like a wind, you know. Just, that's not, that's not uh, true dedication. We need to be having a constant conversation with the Lord. We need to be saying, Lord, you know, I, I need you, desperately need you. We need to have the intimacy. Number two, the body must re- reestablish its witness. The body of Christ has lost its witness to a large extent uh, in the world. Uh, the world doesn't see much difference between those who are self-professing Christians and those who are not. You know, if it did see uh, a witness in the body of Christ, then it would be attracted to that witness. It would see there's a, there's a change, there's a difference. They're more loving, they're more giving, they're, they're more um, forgiving. They don't return uh, evil with evil, they return good for evil. They, they know when to uh, look at somebody who says something derogatory about them and say, you know, I, I don't like it, but God loves you. <laughs> and I'm, even if you have to say, I'm working to love you, I'm working, I'm working on it because I want to love you. And I, and I do love you to as much as I can right now. But I tell you, I forgive you for what you did. I forgive you for what you did. And uh, I just want you to know that I pray blessings on you. Pray blessings over those who persecute you. Number three, the body must gain a new revelation that his power is unlimited. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because those in the body of Christ just as a general rule think that his power is reserved for this person or in that place or, you know, for a move of God over here or there, or, you know, and his power is, is not limited. His power is unlimited. And if we don't believe that, we're not going to, we're not going to realize that because we have to believe that, that his power is unmitigated. And I can tell you why, how that happens. I tell you that recently, as you know, I've been going through, uh, through pneumonia and I was going downhill. I was going downhill fast and I've had pneumonia before and I have, I've clinically died once before for over 30 minutes. 
So I know what it means to die. This time, my lungs were even further compromised and I was on my way down. And I, I have to tell you, in my weakness, I cried out to the Lord. I said, I want to go home. I want to go home, Lord. I want to go home. I want to be with you. I just take me home. Take me home. I don't want this anymore. I was heaving for breath, and I couldn't breathe, and I, and I had this, I just, I, I, I couldn't move. And you, many of you started praying. I mean, oodles, I posted it on Facebook because I, I wanted prayer. And then uh, you prayed. And uh, I started breathing again. And I started hoping again and that maybe God had uh, some further plans for me in this world. And I started believing that. And, and I continue to recover. And I'm speaking to you because of a miracle. We need to believe in his unlimited power to do the impossible. Okay. Number four, we need to turn away from our selfish ways and repent. As it says in Joel chapter two, verses 12 through 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Beloved, the storm is not God's punishment. No, it is what is merited for the works of humankind. I can't explain it in full now, but you can read about it or listen to it in, in Heaven's Storm how I explain how the, the storm is not God's releasing of his anger, but his lamentation and the loss of love in this world and how what the enemy has been intending for, for thousands of years, God will finally render a just judgment which is to remove his protection from the world and I saw his sadness in doing so he didn't want to do it he did not want that to happen but it must happen it must happen it must happen. Too many are suffering under the evil of today. Too much evil has caused poverty and hunger and all kinds of suffering of drug addiction and all of this. It must come to an end and it will come to an end. Jeremiah 29 verses 12 through 13 says this, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Beloved, the storm is coming. What we are seeing are the early winds of the storm, the calm before the storm. But I need, I need now 
to explain to you six ways in which you can weather the storm because you are going to experience the storm. You will. You will. I, I, I know there's a rapture. Uh, and the full rapture is the seven-year period. But there's going to be a storm prior to that, the seven-year period. The rapture will take you out. I saw the rapture happen. I, uh, happen. I saw how the angels were poured uh, down. I saw, the, I saw the people who were raptured from this world in heaven. I saw them uh, being raptured. And you, you as a believer, if you don't die before uh, that rapture, may indeed, as, as part of the Joshua generation, see that. But this, they, you have to know these six things. Number one, don't overreact to the media hype and deception. Don't panic. You're, if you turn on the news, listen to it, you're going to get hype and distortion of the news. You're going to get news that is slanted in one way, form, or another. And, it, and it's going to cause some angst if you listen to it. Don't panic. Don't panic. What you hear as the truth is what God tells you is the truth, is what the Holy Spirit imparts to you is the truth, as, as supernatural understanding, not necessarily what you hear on the news and all of the, the terrible things that are happening on the news. Number two, start looking for ways to eliminate those things that deter you from your walk. There are things that you need to sacrifice, things that you need to give up. There are some things maybe that are uh, of a superficial nature or even of a, a luxury nature where you need to pare it down. You know, you don't need, uh, you know, f four racks of clothes. You don't need three cars. You don't need maybe that... Uh, that expensive, uh, that expensive sports car, use that money to give it to, to, uh, a charity, a Christian charity, a Christian ministry or a Christian organization that feeds the poor or, or clothes those who are, uh, who have no clothing, pare it down, pare it down, pare it down. Number, number three, build your relationships, not only your wealth, your relationships are going to be your new wealth, not your financial relationships. Your financial relationships, you may experience uh, some blessing, prosperity. I pray that for you, but that's not your wealth. Those aren't your rewards. It's the relationships that you build that you will see in heaven, not your wealth that you accumulated on earth, but it's your relationships that you need to build here on earth right now. You need to invest in those relationships. If you lost family, you need to make amends with that family. If you, um, if, if you stopped uh, going to what, small groups or Christian gatherings or sought after places where you can, in small groups, fellowship with others, uh, you know, reach out to uh, a Christian friend of yours and say, hey, you want to get together and reach out to three or four or five and uh, start a My Family group, you know, and you're, you're starting it. That's your church. That's yours. We're going to be introducing to you um, some, some uh, materials on our randyk.org website. They're going to help you do that. But form those relationships. Reach out to somebody and reignite some old relationships and form some new relationships. Okay, number four.
Focus on the majors, not the minors. Prioritize what is most important in your life. Stay faithful to the vision of God that God has planted in your life. As it says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Okay. Don't get hung up by keeping the law. I'm talking about a vision now. I'm talking about a vision. You've got a major in the majors, not the minors. What I mean by that, it means that God has implanted in you a vision. He has implanted in you a purpose which extends throughout the day in the moments of your life. That vision is what you are contributing to the kingdom of God. You don't need to be a full-time pastor. You can be a pastor at work. Uh, I started when I was uh, in industry and uh, corporations. Each place I went, I started a fellowship, Christian fellowship group. I also uh, gave out resources, uh, helps, information to people uh, uh, on campus. It is time to fulfill your vision and to put the vision first and the incidentals maybe that are impeding that vision. Maybe it's a new thing for you. Maybe it's a a new position for you. Maybe you're creating something, something you've had on the back burner. God wants you to put it to the front burner. God wants to resurrect dreams that you let go stale. That is fulfilling the vision. Major in the majors We don't have much time. It's time to step up and do it now. Five, move into your promotion that God will give you. This is a time of promotion, 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 promotion. I'm hearing it from God. God is promoting, promoting you. Now, sometimes that, sometimes that can be a promotion in where you are now in your position, your influence, but sometimes it's in a spiritual, uh, kingdom promotion. So you take on a greater influence of others when they hear you speak. They're listening more intently. But this is a time of promotion. I'm hearing promotion. So move into it. Don't think if you have a job sweeping the floors that you haven't been promoted. Uh, One one of the ones who was one of of my greatest witnesses as an agnostic was somebody who is a janitor. That's right. As a janitor. I saw his witness and he'd say something like, Jesus loves you. I say, okay. And and then he would just do things and he would just say, Hey, and I'd be carrying these, uh, these files, whatever. And he'd say, Hey, can I help you with that? You know, he was just doing things that reflected the love of Christ. And he was the, one of the greatest witnesses to me. You are going to have a promotion in your influence, spiritually speaking, and also your influence over people in your kingdom work, but also maybe in, in some cases, promotions in terms of creating new businesses, in terms of creating, in terms of being promoted within your workplace of great, having greater influence there as a, uh, as a leader there. Okay. Number six, don't focus on your difficulties. Rather believe that God will work everything in your life for good. Romans eight twenty eight. If we, if you focus on the difficulties, the difficulties will consume you. We know how that works. You, you've heard that cliche. You are what you think. I don't believe it. 
but you 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 succumb to what you think. That's what I believe. You succumb to what you think, or you elevate according to what you think. What do you? What's the the truest elevation? The greatest elevation as you become more heavenly minded than earthly minded. And so that is focusing on the things of God. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. The Word of God promises promises that there will be a building of your faith because you're reading the Word of God. So there's a, there's a secondary effect of reading the Word of God. There's a knowledge that's imparted to you. There's an understanding. There's a wisdom. But that secondary effect is faith. It will increase your faith to study the Word of God. Number seven, don't stop giving. Paul exhorted the church in Philippi to give so that the fruit would be added to its account. As it says in Philippians 4, verses 14 through 19, the poorest church in Macedonia and Asia gave to the Lord's work in its deeply, deep poverty as described in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 4. The church in Macedonia was the poorest church in all of Asia, Asia, and they were giving freely because you are limited. There are other ways you can give too. You can give of your time, give of your efforts, but give. Don't let any, any hardship impede your giving, whether it be giving to others, volunteer work, or financially, if you are able to give financially, then give. Don't let all of the hardships, the storms, don't let the, the things, the suffering that are occurring, don't impede your giving. And also, the, I believe, and I've gone through the seven things now. I, I think I said six before, but I've gone through seven things. <laughs> okay. I believe we are living in the Joshua generation. <clears throat> Excuse me. What does that mean? After Moses was translate, uh, trans, after Moses died, the Lord directed Joshua, and I say translated because, you know, where he went to be with the Lord in heaven. Um, then the Lord directed Joshua to lead, of course, Israel into the promised land of the people of uh, the Jewish people. The Lord assured Joshua that we he would. Uh, that would be with him and commanded him to one, be strong and courageous two keep the law of Moses, divide the land among the people and three study, meditate the word of God continually. Now in the Joshua generation, which you are a part of today in walking into this new territory, the promised territory the territory that God has promised you as the chosen generation to walk into an exception to this world, to walk into the kingdom authority in this world, this is what you will be doing as part of the Joshua generation. Number one, be elevated or promoted before others. These are things that are happening to you as part of the Joshua generation. You will be elevated or promoted before others. Number two, you will hear the Lord God more clearly as he speaks to you. So that means you have to keep your spiritual eyes and ears open and don't discount uh, things as just imagination. 
or things that, uh, you know, can't be, you know, if it's good and, and it is in accordance or not in conflict with the Bible and it is good, then that is of the Lord. Okay. Number three, the gates of heaven will be open to you. So you will hear the things of heaven on earth. You will literally hear from heaven. I saw from heaven when I was there, I saw how people, I saw, I saw the impartation of what God was speaking from heaven. And it was like glistening crystals and they were just evaporating into, onto the earth and they were hovering over people and immersive, immersing into people. It was the most brilliant sight. And I explain it uh, as I write about it or speak about it uh, in, in my books and it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And coming from the throne of God, from the throne of God, all the way to an individual and the answered prayer. And that was that you will be hearing things as the part of the Joshua generation from heaven, directly from heaven. That's right. Now I got that, that should blow your mind. I mean, God speaks it. You hear it. God speaks it from his throne, his I described the, the throne of God, what it looks like. And if, when people have told me when they've read or read uh, what that is in the heaven storm, that they're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, this is incredible. There's no word to explain what it's like. You will hear from that throne room of God where you are on earth. Number tr- four, truths are going to be revealed to you and increase revelation the truths of God and increased revelation. We know that wisdom imparts revelation, but you will have an increase in revelation. And I want you to recognize it. There will be epiphanies that you have kind of those aha moments. Oh, I didn't know that. Or, you know, share it too, because of that impartation of those revelations. Number five, the power of God and his angels will fight on your behalf. There is a, there is a Kairos moment now where God and his sending his angels and God is fighting on your behalf as the Joshua generation. He is fighting. He is sending angels to you. He's sending angels to where you live. He's sending in those angels, by the way, if, if he opened up your spiritual eyes to see them like I and many of those who I've interviewed have seen them, whoo, <laughs> you'd look at the giants of this world and the things that are uh, in this world as these big towering authorities and, and terrible things and, you know, criminals or whatever. And you think, oh, you know, they're peons in comparison <laughs> to these angels. He's released them to you. In these times. Okay. Number six. And and then finally, the glory of the Lord will rest on you. The glory of the Lord. I saw people from heaven on earth who received the glory of the God resting on them. And there was what we we see it in the, in artwork and what have you, the halo effect. There was a glow over them. And I saw it from heaven. It's the glory of God resting over them, on them. 
and it is beautiful, inspiring, comforting, restful, invigorating. It is truly magnificent. As part of the Joshua generation, beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ, you were born for this time. As it says in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 27, he says, God says that he's determined the exact time and place you will live. You have been chosen for this time. Do not think that you are too weak. Do not think that you are lesser than somebody you see on the airwaves or some celebrity pastor or speaker or, you know, somebody who just, you know, says, thus saith the Lord. No, no, no. You have been chosen. You have been chosen. I expect to hear from you what the Lord says. I expect you to declare what God says to me and to others because you were chosen for such a time as this in the last days and the end times. God found you worthy to be birthed in this time. You are an influencer for God in this world. Be prepared to move into new positions, revelations, greater influence. And by focusing on the things of God and denying fear, you will prevail over anything that happens in the storm. Fear not, expect goodness. Fear not, expect goodness. Fear not, expect victory. Beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are blessed by the Lord God. And if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I say this, I have just gone through a period where I might not have had one more second in this world. Now for me, knowing where I was going, I knew that that would be a great homecoming. But for my family, my loved ones, maybe some of you, the feeling might have been different. But, beloved, we do not know when we will leave this earth. I was perfectly healthy when I died. I was perfectly healthy a couple of weeks ago or so when I started developing this pneumonia and other, other uh, side effects from this. And then it happened and everything went downhill. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. And this is, a, this is a sacred moment. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to pray this, pray this prayer as well. Pray. Dear Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent before you. I ask you to purge me of all unrighteousness. Because of what you did on the cross to sacrifice yourself for me, I ask you to forgive me. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if you're a believer, you say, I invite you, Lord Jesus, to invigorate my spirit, make it preeminent over me. And I pray 
that you will keep me and protect me all the days of my life. And if you prayed that prayer as a new believer, congratulations, because you are going to heaven. And if you prayed that prayer as a believer, then congratulations, because you've been forgiven. The slate has been wiped clean. Don't look back. Don't go back. Go forward. Whatever has caused you to sin, take it away. Remove it. Relationship-wise, technologically-wise, whatever it is, give it up. Because you have a new life going forward. You're a clean slate. And I have some further good news for you as you go through this storm. As you not just endure, but you as you, as you victoriously walk through this storm. Be of good cheer. Because as a believer in Jesus Christ, heaven is in your future. Take care and God bless.